What's happening, 1015? How are you guys doing this morning? You guys doing good? Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're so glad that you're joining us this morning. And, uh, and I just want to let you know, man, next weekend we are beginning a brand new series called The Fight of Your Life. I, here's what I know is that every day we're facing some battles. And I think God has some things to say to get us prepared for that fight. And so this is a series I've been, uh, I've been waiting for. I've been planning this series out for months in advance. And I've been preparing actually messages. I cannot wait to preach next weekend. It's a great weekend to invite a friend, a family member, a coworker, somebody you want to fight, whatever, uh, to... <laughs> to that weekend, and there's some invite cards on your chair, it, it, I promise you, it'll be an incredible experience. With that, uh, let me just say this, uh, we've been saying it over the last couple of weeks, if you haven't noticed or not, uh, 1015 and our 1130 services are getting pretty full again, and I wanna let you know that we have some other service times that are not quite as full. Uh, our 9 a.m., our Saturday night at 615 are both uh, not quite as full, and so maybe you wanna have a less full service. We also wanna make sure that we have room for people that are far from God to come in and experience church. And so if, if you wouldn't mind, if your family is able to uh, move to another service time besides 1015 or 1130, we would greatly appreciate that. If you can't, come to those service times, okay? I'm just saying that uh, we, we want you here, but uh, I, I just want to put out that, that announcement there. But we are in the final week of a series that we have called Rattled, and we've been studying out of the book of the James because this is what I know in life. It isn't if you're going to get rattled in life. It's not if you're going to get shaken in life. It's a when you're gonna ha that's going to happen in your life. And so we've been studying the book of James, preparing our lives for those moments and for those seasons. And so today, I want to start off a little bit different because I've just found in life, there are some things that are tensions to be managed and then there are other things that are problems to be solved. There are tensions to be managed in life and there are problems to be solved in life. If you're a note taker, you should write that down because that's a good statement right there. If you're not a note taker, you should write that down because it's a good statement right there. There are, are tensions to be managed and there are problems to be solved. Now, everything you're dealing with in life is a problem that needs to be solved. I know some of you think that everything you're dealing with, this is a problem, I need to solve that. Some of those things that you're dealing with, they are tensions that you have got to learn how to manage. If you understand, if you own a business, you understand this. In business, there are tensions to be managed. There are people to be managed. You can't just uh, spend everything you make and you can't just save everything you make. This is a tension to be managed, not a problem to be solved. If you're married, you understand that everything your spouse does is not a problem to be solved. Right, like if you roll up the toothpaste and they squeeze the toothpaste, that is not a problem to be solved. That is a tension that you have to manage in that relationship uh, in life. In, in, in other relationships, there are not, everything is a problem to be solved. It's a tension to be managed. Like thin crust or deep dish is not a problem to be solved. It's a tension to manage. I will take both, right? In life, there are tensions to be managed and there are problems to be solved. And I think there is a tension to manage 
in our Christian walk that James is gonna talk to us about here today as we finish up this study. And this tension is something that I think that as you begin to mature in your faith is going to be something that you are gonna face over and over and over again within your life. And it's, it, it, you're, you're gonna try to wrap your hand around this question, and it's this, is do I live for heaven one day or do I live for now? Like, am I living for right now or am I living for heaven one day? And, and, and if that is a question that goes through your mind, there will be some follow-up questions that you will begin to ask yourself in life. Like, should I be selling everything I own and giving to the poor and living in, t in a tent because the earth is not my home and heaven is my home? Like, like. Is it bad that I own multiple cars when there are children in other countries that are just starving for a single meal this week? Like I've been in third world countries and I've seen little kids having to make decisions on a daily basis. Do, do, I, do I give my body to the bus driver so I can go to school or do I not get an education? I've been in third world countries where I walk into churches that have dirt floors and the people are sitting on rocks and they're playing tortoise shells as drums and, and I think about all the opportunities that I have and the life that I live and I think to myself, man, should I be sacrificing more? Should I be giving more? Should I leave America and go help them? Over? Like It is something that is out there. Are you guys with me today? And James is gonna talk to us about this because this is a tension that we're going to have in this life. And it, it's a tension between do I live for heaven or do I live for right here? Do I live for right now? And I think that we should all live with an eternity mindset. I don't think the tension we face is that we're too uh, heavenly minded. I think the tension that we face is we are constantly being pulled more and more towards the things of this world on a daily basis. So I don't th think the question is, is how do I live more for today? I think the question is, is how do I get my heart set towards eternity instead of always for today? Like, how do I keep my mind in check when I'm going, God, bless me today? And I just want you to know this today. God wants you to enjoy your blessings. You don't hear that very often in church, but it's actually biblical. Like 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, Paul says to Timothy, hey, listen, rich people, all those things that God has given to you, here's what God wants you to do. He wants you to enjoy them. Like, that is a good place to amen, church. Like, I'm, I'm gonna have to help you out a little bit here. Like, that's a good place to go, yeah, preach it. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, we, we're a church in Parkland. <laughs> Most likely, you live in Boca, Coconut Creek, Coral Springs, or Parkland. <laughs> You don't have to identify yourself, it's okay. <laughs> he says, man, enjoy it. But what he also is saying is, is, don't keep everything for yourself that he's given you. So we're not to feel shame that God has blessed us, but we're to enjoy what God has blessed us with. But I, I, we gotta keep our minds set on eternity. I think that's why James in chapter five, verse eight, he says, you too must be patient 
Take courage for the coming of the Lord is near. In other words, James is wanting to tell us today is that this life that we're living isn't all to this life. Like we need to live with our mind still set on eternity. I'm not talking about being so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good, but I'm also talking about not being so earthly minded that you're no heavenly good. This is a tension that we have to manage and I don't know if it's ever really a problem that we will solve in our life. And I'll just be honest, there are some days that I feel like, you know what, man, I am living with eternity on my mindset and the decisions I make and how I spend my money and how I treat people are all based on an eternity mindset and you can see it in all my actions. And then there are other days where I'm living for the here and I'm for the now, and you can see it in my attitude, how I respond to people, you can see it in how I spend my money, you can see it in how I drive my car, you can see it in my reaction to the latest COVID news. Come on, somebody. And in those moments, you think, all that there is, is this earth. That's why C.S. Lewis says this, he says, if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. And listen, there are so many things in this earth that will never satisfy. More success doesn't satisfy. More achievement doesn't satisfy. Another sale doesn't satisfy. Getting another award doesn't satisfy. Getting into that college, it does not satisfy. Why? Because you were not made for this world. You were actually made for another. So how do you and I, how do we live in light of that? How do I keep myself and how do you keep yourself from going too far in one direction or the other? And how do we keep our heart directed and being pulled towards eternity? And I think James gives us some things here in James chapter four and chapter five that, that he's basically telling us in light of what really matters, here's how you need to live. And so if you're taking notes today, here's four things for you that I think James is gonna show us in light of what matters, how should we live? Number one, we should live with urgency. We should live with a sense of urgency. I'm not saying passively, but we should live with urgency. And here's what James says in James chapter four. And I just wanna give you a heads up before we dive into James chapter four, verse 13. James is gonna take a corrective tone with us and knowing that this is inspired by God, by his Holy Spirit. In other words, God is taking a corrective tone with all of us right here in this passage of scripture. And my hope for you is that you would get this deep down in your soul that, that God's Correction is all about his protection. Like when God corrects, he's not trying to keep you from something. Like when I correct my son Alexander, it's, it's not because I, I don't want something for him. It's because I'm trying to protect something for, from him. Like, I, like when he's outside playing, he starts running towards the street and I grab him. It's not because I'm trying to keep him from having fun. It's because I'm trying to keep him from getting hit by a car. God's uh, correction is always about his protection. And so this is what he says in verse 13. He says, look here. In other words, this is the moment he's correcting. You who say today or tomorrow, we will go down to a certain town and we will stay there a year. We'll do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here for a while and then it's gone. 
James, in other words, says your life is like what comes out of like a, a can of Lysol. You're in the bathroom. You do a number two. You get some Lysol. Right? You see it there. It's a nice aroma. It's there. And you're like, oh, that's so good. And then it's boom. It's gone in a minute. You're like, where'd it go? He says, that's what your life is like. It's like a vapor that's here one moment. You can see it, you can experience it, and then it just dissipates. He's telling us that we need to live with some urgency in life. Because here's what I know. When you're young, you think you're gonna live forever. How many of you know that every year that goes by, life seems to speed up a little bit, doesn't it? Seems to get a little bit faster and a little bit faster. But when you're young, you're like, I can't wait until I'm in high school. Like, man, can it hurry up and I, can I get older so I can start driving? Man, I can't wait until I, I go to college and I'm away from my parents so I can do whatever I want. I can't wait to get married. I can't wait to have kids. And all of a sudden you turn 40 and you're like, man, why are my eyes not working anymore? Like, why do I get up 13 times in the middle of the night to go pee? I like, slow down, God, slow it down. Am I talking to anybody in church today? <laughs> and we just think, we think, I have so long. We think, man, I have time to restore that relationship. I have time to work out that bitterness in my heart. I have time to, and James goes, no. You don't have time. You have to live with some urgency because life is short. I need you to do what I need you to do now. Like don't wait and put off till tomorrow what you can do today. And, and if we would have that mindset, we wouldn't get so fixed on the itty bitty idiosyncrasies of what somebody posted online. You'd be like, man, I'm living for today. That does not matter. Like we wouldn't get so offended in life if we were living for today instead of tomorrow. Like we wouldn't keep that unforgiveness in, like we would not allow that dysfunction in a relationship. I'm either gonna get rid of that relationship or I'm gonna go find some new people that wanna work on their relationship. Why? Because life is short. And you and I, we don't have forever. So I gotta do what matters most now. And I think that if we got this kind of mindset, we would live differently. Like we would not put off inviting that friend to church that we know we should be inviting to church. Like we would not put off getting involved and serving other people in our life. Like we would not put off that mission trip that's been in the back of our mind for a long time or going to that outreach or, or praying a little bit differently in this season because we would go, you know what? The time is short and I'm on mission from King Jesus and I've got to get this junk done right here and right now. Man, I can make all the plans I want. I'm going to go do this today and I'm going to do that tomorrow. I'm going to do that next week. And listen, there's nothing wrong with planning. I encourage you to have a plan. I'm all for it. But I'm not going to plan like I'm in total and complete control. Just not. But one day, no, 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 no. Church, life is short. And tomorrow is not promised. You know, the only promise that you have is a date with death. Not trying to be disheartening, I'm trying to wake you up this morning. 
trying to get you to realize that there is something more to this life and you aren't promised tomorrow. So do what you need to do today. Live in light of eternity. I love what Martin Luther said. He said, live as though Christ died yesterday, rose today, and is returning tomorrow. How would it change your perspective if every day you woke up and you went, you know what, today is the day he resurrected. Like, can you imagine the disciples on the day of resurrection and they have the realization that Jesus has resurrected? They wouldn't be worrying about what that person posted on social media that moment. They're not worrying about what their mom thinks about them in that moment. They're like, oh my gosh, what he said was true. He's the Messiah. He is the Savior. Man, we better get out there and we better get busy in life. What if we really lived like he's coming back tomorrow? Do you think that maybe there'd be a little bit more fire inside of your life? Can I tell you something, church? He could. He can come back before this sermon even ends. Like, the stage is set. But how differently would you live if, as if Christ died yesterday, rose today, and is returning tomorrow? How would it affect your decisions? How would it affect your relationships? How would it affect your living? I think this next one will help us not get so earthbound, but eternity focused. Number two, you gotta submit to God's plan. I've gotta live with some urgency, then I've gotta submit to God's plan. James chapter four, verse 15, it says, what you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or do that. Otherwise, you are boasting about your own pretentious plans. And all such boasting is evil. Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. Dang, that's a strong statement there, James. Not pulling any punches with this one. Like, I could do a whole message series on this last statement right here, but I'm just gonna give you a little caveat. What James is saying here, he says, listen, if you know you should serve other people and you don't, that's sin to you. You don't need a chapter, you don't need a verse to know that. Like, if you know that you should return the tithe to God and you don't, that's sin to you. Like, if you know you should love your neighbor and you don't, that's sin to you. I'm just getting off some toes here. But he starts this off and he says, hey, listen, if the Lord wants us to. In other words, if it's God's will, many of the versions say, if it's God's will. He's saying, listen, you can have a plan. You can have a plan, but this is the attitude towards your plan that you need to have. If God's plan supersedes my plan, we're gonna go with God's plan. I can make all the plans I want. In fact, the Bible says many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's the Lord that directs his path. And listen, I've made all kinds of plans in my life and God's come and like, my plan was never to be a pastor. I can tell you that right now. Like never cross my, like I wanted to be an international investment banker. I wanted to rule the world. That was my plan. I was like, give me all the money, let me make all the deals, and I'll be good. Like, I don't have to deal with people, I'll deal with numbers, they don't talk back. They don't have opinions, they're just facts. Some of y'all are like, I need to go do that. <laughs> it's like, 
right? I like, that was never, that was never the plan. And then God's like, oh, you need to go work at a church. I was like, ah, and then I ended up working at a church. Dealing with facts and figures. It was great. And then God's like, oh, I need you to go deal with people. I'm like, ah, and then I was dealing with people. Then he's like, oh man, I need you to move to South Florida. I was like, I don't like South Florida. He's like, I don't care. I was like, South Florida doesn't like me either. He's like, I don't care. And go plant a church. And many of the plans in a man's heart. But I've just lived with the mentality, like I can make plans, but if God's plan supersedes my plan, we're gonna go with his. If it's the Lord's will means that I'm not gonna get so tied to my earthly plan that I don't give in to heaven's plan. And listen, it's not bad to have plans. In fact, I encourage you to have them. Don't be like, I'm, I'm just gonna get up today and see what God's will is. That's a bad plan. Like, I can tell you what his will is. His will is, is that you get up on time, you get to work on time. Hello, somebody. You be the best employee at your job because you're working as unto the Lord. Listen, if you call yourself a Christian, don't go into work and be the worst, worst employee there. You should be the best. They should be like, man, I don't know what they're doing at that church, but I'm gonna go hire everybody from there. That's God's plan for your life. Have a great attitude. Are you following me? Like, don't be the weird Christian. I'm just gonna wake up and whatever the Lord wills, don't be dumb, okay? <laughs> I'm just saying, live in such a way that if God's plan supersedes your plan, you're submitted to it. God, if you interrupt my life, I'm gonna allow that interruption. God, if you're gonna change my schedule, God, go ahead and do it because I want to be on your plan. Now, I don't know what God's plan is for every one of you. Like, I don't know God's micro level plan for your life. I, I, I do know God's macro level plan for your life. Like, when I say micro level, like, I don't know, should you marry that person or not marry that person? I don't know. Should you buy that house or not buy that house? I don't know. Should you take that job or not take that job? I, I don't know. That's, that's God's micro level. But on a macro level, I know what God's plan is for every single person that would call themselves a Christ follower. I know what he wants for every human is that every lost person would be saved. Every saved person would be pastored. Every pastored person would be trained and every trained person would go out and be deployed in this world. We like to say it like this, that you would know God, that you would find freedom, that you would, you would discover purpose and you would make a difference. That's God's will for every man, woman, and child on this planet, that you, you would know God, that you would have an intimate relationship with God, that, that you would find freedom from your yesterday so you can live in the purpose and potential of your today, that you would discover purpose that God has for your life. Like that, that Mark Twain says it like this, the two greatest days of your life is the day you're born and the, reason, and the next one is the day you discover why that you would discover your why and that then you would go and use your why to make a difference in this world in somebody else's life. That's the ultimate end for every believer is that you would make a difference in other people's lives. And I just wanna challenge you some, on something here, church. If you're not using your life to make a difference in the life of somebody else, then you are most likely stuck in your spiritual journey. It's why we talk so much at church about next steps. It's why you, you feel like, man, you know, I, I, they, the, the location pastors, Pastor Josh and Pastor Brian, the reason they talk so much about next steps is they must get, must get a commission on every person that goes through that. 
It's not why we pimp it so much. It's not why we're pushing it on you so much. God, the reason why we're pushing it on you is because we do want you to know God. We want you to experience freedom in life. We want you to discover that God has given each and every one of you spiritual gifts. And most of us don't realize that God has gifted us with certain things that are specific to our life. Like my spiritual gifts are the gift of faith. Like everybody has faith, but I have the gift of faith, which means that I can believe for crazy things that you'll just think are crazy. I have the gift of leadership. That's what God has put on my life. That's what I operate in. But every single one of us has spiritual gifts. And if you don't know what your spiritual gifts are, go to next steps. And then God has given us experiences and passions and like the things that you've gone through in your life that you would consider tragedies, they're only tragedies if you don't allow God to come into your life and turn them into testimonies by using that tragedy to help somebody else make a difference in their life. And that's the goal for every single one of us. And so we're constantly telling you, man, go, go, go to next steps, go to next steps, go to next steps, go to next steps, go to next steps. Because I know that if you'll discover how God wired you and how God made you and how your passions intersect with him, all of a sudden you'll begin to live with some purpose in life. And when you get the macro level vision of God for your life, all of a sudden the micro level vision of God starts to get real, real clear for each and every one of us. So you gotta know God's plan. Number three, you gotta build a legacy. If I'm gonna live in light of eternity, I'm going to build a legacy. James chapter five, it says, look here. This is another one of those moments where he's gonna get corrective with us. He says, you rich people. Now, I know some of you are like, well, that, does, that doesn't apply to me. I just want you to know that if you make $35,000 a year, you are in the top 1% of income earners in the entire world. You stinking rich people. <laughs> Listen, you are so rich that you have houses for your cars called garages. Some of you, you're so rich that you have so much food that you put it in a refrigerator in your garage because it doesn't fit in your house. <laughs> and then some of you, you're so rich, so rich, you walk into closets full of clothes and you say, I have nothing to. <laughs> Just trying to give you some perspective here. He says, you rich people, Weep and groan with anguish because of all the terrible troubles ahead of you. He isn't talking about just because you're rich. He says this, your wealth is rotting away and your fine clothes are like moth-eaten rags. Your gold and silver are corroded. The very wealth you were counting on will eat away your flesh like fire. This corroded treasure you have hoarded will testify against you on the day of judgment. For listen, hear the cries of the field workers whom you've cheated of their pay. And the cries of those who harvest your fields have reached the ears of the lords of heaven's armies. You have spent your years on earth in luxury, satisfying your every desire. You have fattened yourselves for the day of slaughter. You have condemned and killed innocent people who do not resist. James, do you think you could have said that any nicer? <laughs> what he's saying here is he's saying, misery is coming on you, you wealthy people. And here's why. Because you had more than you needed and you kept it all for yourself. 
He said, the people that work for you, you didn't give them the wages due to them. And then in the day of harvest or in the day of slaughter, because the Jewish, the Jewish people were an agricultural and a farming community, he said, in that day, when you were supposed to bring your first and your best to the temple, the, it's, it's, it's what we would call the tenth of what they had to the temple, we would call it the tithe. He says, you didn't. And you kept it all for yourselves. In other words, he says, you had more than you needed and you hoarded it all for you. See, we need to understand that God has no problem with you having. Like, God doesn't have a problem with you having. He doesn't have a problem with you building. He doesn't have a problem with you living, having success. He has no problem with you enjoying the blessing that he has given you. I don't know if you've heard of this uh, kind of theology that is not biblical, but it's called poverty theology, where you feel like the more poorer I am, the more blessed I am. That's not true. God is okay with you enjoying what you have. What God is not okay with you doing is hoarding all you have. He has blessed you to be a blessing to others. So what he's saying here is, what will keep your heart directed towards eternity is when you commit to building legacy. What does that mean? It means... I'm gonna build into something that will outlast and outlive my life. With some portion of what God has given me, I'm going to invest it in, return, in eternity. That's why Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And God's trying to get our heart turns toward eternity, which means that our treasure has to go in that direction as well. And this is what our legacy team here at church does. They got this and they get it. They, they, they go, I could get more, I could get bigger, I could get better. And they go, man, I, I get it, but I'm gonna take some of what I have and I'm gonna invest it in what really matters. I'm gonna invest in eternity. I'm gonna invest in the next generation. I'm gonna invest in missions. I'm gonna invest in reaching loss. I'm gonna invest in building the church. I'm gonna invest in building a legacy. And so let me just ask you something here, church. With the resources that God has given you, what are you building? His kingdom or your kingdom? Because here's the reality. Most of us have more than we need. Notice I did not say more than we want because none of us have that. Like, because that line is constantly moving, isn't it? You're like, man, if I could just get that raise, then I would be good. And you get that raise and you're like, ah, I could use a little bit more. So I'm not talking about more than we want. I'm just suggesting and speculating that the majority of us here have more than we need. So what are you doing with the excess? And here's what I know is when you invest some of that in eternity, when you invest some of it in the kingdom of God, when you invest it in a way that builds legacy, what it does is it turns your heart towards heaven. When you see somebody going down in the waters of baptism, going, my old life is gone and a new life is coming out. When you invest in legacy, you realize that when you invest in the kingdom of God, you're making a difference in that person's life. 
I think about our care points in South Africa where, where every day kids are having to choose and make decisions that will, will, will either allow them to, to go to school and be fed. And we have a care point where, where those little girls, they can show up and they don't have to trade their body for something. They can, they can go there and they can get some food and they can be nourished there, not just with physical bread, but with the bread of life. Investing in eternity because it makes a difference. Because this is what really matters. So whenever you take some, not all, whenever you take some, the more than you need and you build legacy, it focuses your heart towards eternity. And then number four, you gotta live with expectancy. Live with expectancy. Expecting of what? That it may not be today, and it might not be tomorrow, but at any point in time, Jesus could be coming back. Going back to James chapter 5, he says, Dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Can I be honest with you? There have been some moments over the last 18 months that I'm like, God, this would be a great time for your return. <laughs> Anybody with me on that? It's like, God, like right here, right now, like if you could just come back today, and, and, and like take all of us, that would be all. In fact, you don't have to take everybody, just take me. <laughs> like, I, I'm good. Like, I've had enough of this earth. In fact, you could just do the flood thing again. I'd be okay with that. Whatever you gotta do. He says, consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and in the spring. They eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. You too must be patient. Take courage for the coming of the Lord is near. So he's saying like, live with an expectancy in your heart. God, I'm looking for the day, but I'm gonna live like today. Could be that day. I'm expectant. I have some urgency. But I'm focused on eternity because I want to live for what really matters most in life. Some of you are like, what does this have to do with being rattled? Here's what it has to do with. You won't get rattled if you're living in light of eternity. Because it doesn't matter what the news brings today or tomorrow or the next day, you'll realize that all of my eggs are not in the earth basket, they're in the heaven basket. Because the earth is not my home, heaven is. I'm just on an extended stay. But I'm not living for this. I'm living for what matters most. And I'll be honest, there are days that I'm living my life here on earth and I'm living and I'm making every decision based on I'm gonna be here forever. I'm living for the here and I'm living for the now. And then there's other days I realize I won't be here forever and I'm living for eternity. And I realize that this is not a problem that I'm ever gonna solve. This is a tension that I'm gonna constantly be managing in life. But God, I really want to live for what matters most. I wanna have an eternity mindset. And I think if we'll do what James says of, living with urgency and submitting to God's plan and building legacy and living expectantly it will change everything. I love what C.S. Lewis says. He says, if you read history, 
you'll find that the Christians who did the most for this present world were precisely those who thought the most of the next. You want to have the greatest impact for the kingdom of God? Live for heaven. You want to make the biggest difference in this world? Live for the next world. C.S. Lewis also said, aim for heaven and you'll get earth thrown in. Aim for earth and you'll get neither. So church, I want to encourage us. Aim for heaven. Aim for heaven. Make that your target in life. Would you guys bow your heads and pray with me? Here's what I know. Some of us aren't living in light of eternity because our heart has never been turned towards it. You're living for the here, and you're living for the now, and if you're honest with yourself, you're living for you. You're living for what makes you happy. You're living for what makes you fulfilled. You're, and you've never come to the place where you have surrendered your life to something that is greater than your life, and that's what I'm talking about is the person of Jesus. And can I just tell you, if you, you aim for earth, you don't get earth or heaven, but if you aim at heaven, you'll get both. And I wanna invite you today to aim to heaven. I want you to be glad that you made a decision that when you get in light of eternity, that you'll be glad that you made a decision that will change the rest of eternity that you decided to surrender your life to Jesus, to make him the captain, to make him the director, to make him the Lord of your life. The Bible says that we have all sinned. And I don't have to tell you that because we've all messed up, we've all screwed up, we've all made mistakes, we've all made messes of our life. And the Bible continues to say that the wages of our sin is death. And that death is a separation from a loving God. But it goes on to say that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. God's got this incredible gift that comes through the person of Jesus. It's called eternal life. And it isn't found in your best effort. It isn't found in your philanthropy. It isn't found in your good works. But it's found in the work that Jesus did on the cross of Calvary for your sins and for mine. And it says by faith, if you accept Jesus, and that's basically saying, God, I trust what you did by sending your son to this earth and what he did on the cross for me. And if I ask you to forgive me all of my sins, you'll forgive them and you'll make me a brand new person and give me a brand new beginning. Here's what that means. You get a fresh start. You have a new confidence that your home is not this earth, but it's heaven. And maybe today, for the first time or the first time in a long time, some of you need to surrender your life to this man named Jesus who gave his life for yours so that you could live and live a more abundant life with every head bowed and every eye closed. If that's you in here today and you say, you know what, Pastor TJ? I need to surrender. I need to make my aim heaven 
instead of birth on the count of three if you just slip your hand up we would love to pray a quick prayer with you a simple yet significant prayer that changes everything for everyone one two three go ahead and slip your hands up i'd love to pray with you yes ma'am i'll see you thank you one yes sir i'll see you two thank you yes i'll see you back there in the back three thank you anybody else don't miss your moment it's an important moment yes i see you right there four thank you if you just pray this prayer in your heart as i prayed out loud say god thank you so much for not being so heavenly minded that you didn't want to make any earthly difference that you were willing to send from heaven your one and only son to live a perfect life the life that i could never achieve and die a sinner's death the death that i deserved I ask you to forgive me of my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I ask you to come into my heart, come into my life, take over. Help me to set my focus as heaven is my home and earth is just an extended stay. God, help me to follow you all the days of my life. God, I want to love you. I want to serve you. I want to make you the commander in chief of my life. I love you here. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.